0: to welcome each and every one to the house of the Lord in that sacred name of our Savior Jesus Christ. As we've gathered into this place, I trust that we have come seeking that influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we might be challenged anew given that greater desire to serve our Lord. For a call to worship I have chosen from the fifth chapter of the third book of Nephi, starting with the 32nd verse. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, I will declare unto you my doctrine, and this is my doctrine. And it is the doctrine which the Father hath given unto me. And I bear record of the Father, and the Father beareth record of me. And the Holy Ghost beareth record of the Father and me. And I bear record that the Father commandeth all men to repent and believe in me. And whoso believeth in me and is baptized, the same shall be saved. And they are they who shall inherit the kingdom of God. So we continue in our service with the singing of hymn 2.16. Breathe on me, breath of God.
1: Father, we come before You once again this morning, Heavenly Father, to offer our thanks to You. Thank You, Heavenly Father, that we have opportunity to come to this, Your house of worship. I pray, Heavenly Father, that You be with each one here present this day. That we might have open mind, open heart that your spirit might fill us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, you would be with our brother Justin as he brings the spoken word this morning. Give him, Heavenly Father, those things which you uh, have given him and he has prepared for. We thank you, Lord, once again. And we pray this all and give thanks to You. In the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: I don't know about you today, but uh, I presume you're all thankful for all that you have been given. And... uh, Today we have a chance, to, at right now, to give back a little bit of what He has given us. And uh, it should be easy. Out of the Doctrine and Covenants, let us therefore as a church and as a people and as Latter-day Saints offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness... May we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that uh, without you we are nothing, that you give us all things that uh, our lives are owed to you. We thank you for your uh, willingness to love us In spite of ourselves. We ask for a blessing on these offerings. That you might uh, use them to thy will. In Jesus name. Amen.
3: for a Scripture reading. I will be reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, starting at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear My voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with Me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with Me in My throne even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Brothers and sisters, I would like to leave you with two questions. <clears throat> are you able to forgive? And are you able to reconcile? Reconcile. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you so much for the wonderful music we've already uh, received by way of ministry and quite fitting, I believe, for the scripture that was read. So for the past month and a half, I've found myself working a normal schedule. For those of you who don't know, um, for the past seven years, I've been working the night shift or the second shift which has found me going into work at 3.15 in the afternoon and returning home around 2.45, 1.45 or 2.45 in the morning. And as it is, uh, there's a job opening for a production manager. And this would be the boss of supervisors, which is my current position. And by way of, rather than posting the job and interviewing, they're allowing all of the supervisors to go through this rotation. So that happens on day shift. And so for since the beginning of July, I found myself going to bed when everyone else does and waking up when everyone else does, or most everyone, uh, early in the morning. And during this uh, rotation, I've been learning a great deal. And one of the exercises that now as a supervisor, they're starting to uh, train us in, and I believe it's probably a a corporate movement. Um, These books pop up every so many years of how you're going to make your company bigger and better, uh, how to do business the right way, so on and so forth. And some of this uh, theory or logic may resonate with some of you. You may have already heard it. Uh, it talks about uh, the functionality of a team. And there's a pyramid, and at the bottom of the pyramid is the word trust. And there's two subcategories. Either you have a fear, or you uh, there's an absence of trust. And keep in mind, this all has to do with the team. So my team would be my group of supervisors that I work uh, that I'm uh, peers with, not the group that I lead. There's the absence of trust or the building of trust. Uh, this would be, and if you, if you look at your own life, and if you look at whether it's in business or in personal, uh, church family, you know, ask yourself the question, do I trust others? Is there an absence of trust? And I think as humans, we have a difficult time trusting, Uh, even in the best cases. uh, We've become become apprehensive and leery. And for those of you and for those out there who have suffered great pain uh, growing up or through dealings in life, this is a very difficult task. But there's also the building of trust. And so this requires vulnerability And that's what we're taught. Uh, Then you move on to uh, the next space above trust is conflict. And the two subcategories are fear of conflict and overcoming. Actually, they have the word mastering. Um, That word I would probably more closely align with uh, a worldly uh, striving in a worldly manner. I, I've chosen the word overcoming conflict. And so this, this means that basically when we're in our groups, sometimes we just get along, right? We, we have an artificial harmony. We try to avoid conflict. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not healthy. Okay? And then in the overcoming, uh, it talks about how you can have these dialogues, this uh, interaction, with one another. You can discuss frankly with each other and you know that the person sitting across from you isn't taking offense. They're not criticizing you. They're, they're, you're merely discussing healthfully an idea. Okay? And above the conflict is commitment. Okay? So this pyramid is building us up towards a final goal. Commitment's next. So when you work through the conflict, you come to a commitment stage. Okay? Now either you have a lack of a commitment or you achieve that commitment. And lack of commitment is maybe you don't really care if you achieve that goal. If you're sitting on a team at work, are you sitting there thinking, I really don't care. I'm collecting a paycheck. That's all that really matters. You know, or what we're working on really isn't great, isn't really important in the grand scheme of life. So... I can be uh, uncommitted to it. But if you achieve the commitment, you're, you're buying in, right? You're buying into an idea. You're, you're aligning yourself with the team. Hopefully through that healthy conflict and that talk and that conversation, you've come to a conclusion where you can buy in, okay? And it's by choice. Next, we have accountability after commitment. And this is uh, the avoidance of accountability. Now in a team, you have to be accountable. You have to take blame when the blame is yours. You have to help shoulder the responsibility and understand that sometimes if something doesn't go right, maybe you are partially to blame. But the world as a whole casts blame. Their desire is to make it somebody else's fault. Because then we don't look good. We look like we're vulnerable. We look weak, right? And next, uh, you have the avoidance or the embracing. And the embracing is when you take responsibility. You're owning part of the stake in what's going on. And then finally at the top of that pyramid is results. Results. So what is the result of your goal? What is the result? What are you all striving for as a team, as an individual? Now there's two subcategories here. There's an inattention to results. Doesn't matter. Once again, doesn't matter if I commit. Doesn't matter if I achieve it. Doesn't matter if we make it. We're all collecting a paycheck. We're all getting what we want. But if you care about the results, whether it's in your family, on your team at work, or in the gospel, you care about what the result is. And your, your focus is, we will make this goal. We will achieve this goal. And so I, want, I wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of the structure of that. But I now want to talk to you on the spiritual level. Because really, all things are spiritual first. So all of these brilliant ideas that mankind may come up with to introduce to the corporate world, to uh, business and whatnot, all have to have their foundation, generally speaking, in the spiritual world. If it's right, if it's moral, it's all going to be founded in in the spiritual world. So I would like for you to shift gears now, and I want you to think in your life, And in this group, this body, okay, this is our team, okay, I want us to apply and think on these things. And remember, I asked you at the beginning, are you able to forgive? Are you able to reconcile? Brothers and sisters, I want you to focus on this today. I want us to get into the weeds, so to speak, and I want us to dig deep. Because we are in the midst of the greatest transformation of our lives from the time we came to know the Lord, and we entered into those waters of baptism in the book of Romans 12:2 and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God is and so let's talk about this word transformed the transforming of you by the renewing of your mind the renewing of your mind back to what it was originally created and what it bore in it from the time you left the courts of glory that what which was in your mind which was good which God placed in there He wants to renew us to that former knowledge, that former thought. And that transforms us. And so, brothers and sisters, how do we get transformed? How do we do that? We can't merely just come to church and sing the hymns and listen to the prayers and listen to the sermons. We know we have to be actively engaged in our own lives, our personal lives, with the Lord. We have to allow Him to speak to our hearts and our minds and to lead us on that path because everybody's path is a little bit different. Because everybody's past is a little bit different. Okay. So we've heard the term functional and dysfunctional. You know, the world around us is very dysfunctional. That's because it doesn't work properly. To function properly, the system has to work together to accomplish a task. The systems in our cars are all aligned to work together to accomplish a goal, to get you where you're going. The systems that carry this sound across the airwaves, all the systems have to be functioning properly. If you have a dysfunctional system, something's not working right. Same thing within our bodies. So let's talk about this trust trusting one another and i want us to focus on our church our the body of christ i want us to ask ourselves do we trust are we willing to trust if we can't trust one another then we are not willing to share and what they're pointing out in this in this train of thought is very enlightening it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm listening to all this at work and I'm like, wow, this rings a lot of bells. You have to be vulnerable. And there's, if there's one thing we've learned through the Gospel is being vulnerable with our Lord. Sharing everything with Him. When we come into this group, we share our problems, our struggles, our issues. We become vulnerable. We feel like this is a safe place. That when we come in here, what we share with our brothers and sisters is, Is not going to be criticized or critiqued, but instead you're going to find care and compassion and love and support. Now, are we doing that? Trusting requires faith. You'll never hear that out in the world. Do we trust? Do we have a lack of trust? One thing they point out is when you get together with your group, you have to be, we- be able to share your weakness, and the rest of the group has to understand I can't turn and use it against them. And so for the person to trust, they have to be willing to put that on the line, and they trust that the people across from them are not going to use that against them, knowing a weakness. If we know somebody's weakness, we cannot use it against them. And that is so easy to do. We have to support one another. Now what about trusting the Lord? Do we trust the Lord totally? In Mosiah, we're told that we need to trust in Him and whatever He is willing to uh, expose us to, we need to be willing to submit as a child does submit to the Father. Do we trust our brothers and sisters? Okay, let's talk about conflict. Now, conflict generally arises when you're trying to come to a conclusion. There's something going on. There's a decision that needs to be made. Somebody uh, wants their way. Somebody has an idea. They're trying to promote it. And how do we handle that? And in this idea, we discuss it. Artificial harmony. We're fear of we have a fear of conflict, and sometimes maybe it, maybe we shouldn't fear conflict. We know conflict makes us stronger. The Lord tells us. He says, These things I have spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so we find that this conflict is prevalent in our lives. We each one have to go through conflict. Sometimes it's with somebody out in the world, somebody here, somebody in our family. Sometimes we have a conflict with the Lord if we're quite honest with ourselves. Are we able to admit that we have a conflict with the Lord? I think that's part of our relationship with Him is working that out. Not so much that we think He's wrong, but us knowing what is right and why it is right. Okay, so how do we overcome our conflict with one another? We should be able to sit down and discuss it with no fear of retribution, we should believe and understand that we all have the same goal in mind. And we must have the same goal in mind if we want to achieve the result. And I think each one of us sitting here right now can, can answer with a resounding response that our result that, that we're all striving for is the kingdom. And so we need to keep that in mind when we deal with one another on both sides of the table. When we're dealing with somebody outside of this group, when we're dealing with a coworker, when we're dealing with a family member, the, the, the goal may not be the same. We have to determine, is the goal the same? Sometimes it is not. We have to find a way to come to peace and to terms with that. But within this group, we all must have the same goal and that is that the lord's will is done and that his kingdom will come one thing i believe that tribulation teaches at least me it's that i have to let go it teaches me to give up control Because see, a lot of times, conflict comes from us wrestling for control. Not always. Sometimes we're fighting for the greater good. We have to hang in there. Make sure you're fighting for the right thing. But sometimes that tribulation which comes, which the Lord brings into our lives is to help us understand that we're not in control at all. The only thing we really have control of is ourselves and what goes on within us. The old saying, let go and let God. I've heard that one before. So we have two choices here. You fear the conflict or you overcome it. Next, I want to speak about commitment. Sometimes we have a difficult time determining what we're committing to. We're afraid of giving up. We're afraid that we're giving in to the wrong ideas. Do we care what we commit to? Do we have a hard time committing here in this building? To these lives around us. Sometimes it's easier in the world and, and work to not become committed because we don't want to align ourselves with what's going on out in the world. But either way, we're making a commitment. Either way, we're making a choice. So we can either have a lack of and i believe that the lack of commitment would follow uh, the scripture reference we could use for this one would be where the lord says he would rather us be hot or cold rather than lukewarm because it seems the person who's lukewarm has a lack of commitment and if if you're cold at least you're committed to something not that it's the right commitment And we know the end of those who are lukewarm. So when we achieve the commitment we're buying in, have you bought into this gospel? I believe you have. You're sitting here. Your buy-in should have occurred around the time of your baptism. Because that was you in a public display, the baptism of water and of the Spirit, you buying in. So what are we committing to with other people in this group? We are committing to loving one another, to serving one another. And with the Lord, we are committing to having no other gods. We are committing to keeping His commandments We're committing to submission and obedience, which in turn is the kingdom of God. And after this commitment comes the accountability. Once you commit, hopefully, you're ready to stand accountable. We shouldn't be casting blame on others. Instead, we should be working together. Working together, asking ourselves, what can I do better to help this cause? What can I do to assist my brother or sister? How many times do we deny accountability before our Lord? That's the avoidance of accountability. The embracing, like we talked about, is taking responsibility, taking ownership, stepping up and realizing that this is why my team isn't functioning as good as they could. Why the family, why the body of Christ, we can't sit there and say, well, what I do affects no one else, because it does affect everyone else. And so, brothers and sisters, we're coming to the point now where I want to cause you and and ask you, and hopefully, I don't need to bring this into your mind, but at some point, hopefully the word repentance has been entered into your mind with conflict, with trust, with commitment and accountability. These are all interconnected. Repenting for those sins which we have committed. Repenting of not standing for those things we should. Repenting of those sins of omission and sins of commission. And the reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reconciled one to another. We hear about repentance. We know we need to repent. Repent. Do we know what we need to repent of? Are we asking the Lord daily, Lord, what do I have in my life that needs to be removed? What do I need to be doing different? And are we considering those we have ought against? Are we considering any of those dark, secret places in our life where something's hidden away and we dare not disturb it because it'll just go away? Or it's better left unsaid or undealt with? Those things which you feel you have so delicately and cunningly hidden away will always affect you. They will always find a way to creep up. And perhaps we can point all the way back to trust to show that they do creep up. Because we're unable to trust. We're unable to uh, resolve conflict, overcome conflict. It's, it has to be our way or the highway or they don't get it. To the accountability, to the commitment. We have to be reconciled to ourselves. We have to be reconciled to the Father. We have to be reconciled to each other. Because in class today we talked about being sanctified, and sanctified is being pure, holy, and these are two of the key components of several that must be present within our lives on a daily basis. This leads up to the results. We've discussed this. The results that we all would love to see, that we desire to see, hopefully. I would ask you, what results do you want? What results are you hoping for? Why do you come to church? Why do you come into the fellowship of the saints? Why do you follow the Lord? What is your commitment to Him? What result are you hoping for? Let's go back to our Scripture in Revelation. And I'm sure each one of you, you cannot read this Scripture, at least I can, and not think of that picture, that iconic picture that we've seen so many times of Christ standing at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Knock. And so, what is that door? And I hear, I hear all the voices right now saying, it's your heart. It's the door to your heart. I believe that. What does that door represent? That door represents a divider, an obstacle. It's a separation between you and the Lord. What are the separations? What caused those separations? Is it the pains and the hurts in your life? The sins in your life? He says he knocks. How does he knock? Through the trials of life, tribulations, but also through the blessings. You know, the Lord calls people to repentance through their blessings that they receive. You know, this nation has been a nation that has received many great blessings. We are still receiving great blessings, and yet we stand on the brink of ruin, but He still blesses us because those blessings are still a call to repentance. They are a call to turn from our wicked ways. So even when we're receiving blessings in our life, it's still a call. If any man hear my voice, you see, he's calling to us. He seeks us. He seeks you. The Lord seeks You, He seeks your fellowship. He seeks your love. It's so hard for us to understand and to comprehend that nothing means more to Him than each one of you and each one of the people out in the world return to His fellowship. And brothers and sisters, we are no better or no more highly loved, maybe highly favored, But he doesn't love us more than the beggar out on the street, than the addict in the alley, than the prostitute, than the murderer. We may be more highly favored, but not more loved. He's beckoning and he's pleading. And I would ask each one of you to think in your minds and think back how has he done this in your life? If any man hear my voice and open the door, see. And I remember Willie Moore's standing up at this very pulpit, and I think he had a picture up here of that. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but he was pointing at that picture, and he said, "You see that door? There's no handle on the outside of that door. The door, which was uh, had brambles and thorns all around it, highly protected door." And, you know, that door opening is all up to us. It's by our choice. And Sister Kay and Brother Harry shared in their uh, morning devotion about this kernel of corn. That was a wonderful story. And uh, in this story it talked about the choice. Those items bloom and hatch and sprout by choice. It doesn't matter. And I learned... Perhaps something more this morning about me and as a parent when she shared that story. I can't force my children to do anything. I can't force my son or my daughter to be a certain way. It's a choice. And we should never take that away from them. And so when we open the door, we're submitting. And hopefully we're opening that door with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And this is the experiment of faith that Alman talks about. Do you guys recall that day in your life when you experimented on that faith? What brought you to the waters of baptism? What brought you to where you are now? An experiment of your faith. Opening the door. He goes on to say that he will, I will come in to him. And that's pretty self explanatory. He enters our heart. And, brothers and sisters, what happens then is a miracle. We'll sup with him and he with me. You see, the Lord comes in and he feeds us. We feast upon the heavenly food. When we come together and and feast or sup, generally it's a, a good time, it's a time of fellowship, it's a time of fun. And excitement and joy, usually for a good reason. But have you noticed in that scripture, when you read that scripture, have you noticed the tone of solemnity and intimacy in that scripture? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He is teaching us His Gospel. When He enters in, He is teaching us His Gospel. And not only that, He is showing us those things in our lives that we need to change. He's healing us. If we let Him do His work and we let that Spirit move within us and we abide and we listen and we obey, we are renewed we are transformed, we are healed, we are made whole, we are sanctified, we are cleansed, we are purified. It's about the divine interaction. The becoming one with Him. We are learning the Gospel, but we are also emptying ourselves of the sin in our lives. We are giving it to Him because He asks us to and we trust Him with our deepest, darkest, most painful sins. To Him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with the Father in His throne. At this point, this is the overcoming of sin and self. Overcoming the world. Overcoming ourselves. Becoming one with Christ. Becoming one with the body of Christ. And as we each one become one with Christ, we become one with one another. And brothers and sisters, we each have a part to do in this. We each have a part that we are responsible for. And no one else can make you do it. God's not going to make you do it. I'm not going to make you do it. The pastor will not make you do it. It has to be your choice for it to work. For you to work. It has to be your choice. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen.
4: We pray, our Father which art in heaven, we do come to you this morning once again with thankful hearts for the knowledge that we have that Father, you do stand at the door and knock. And I pray, Father, that as we go from here, that we would open our hearts and open our minds, that we might listen to the words that you have to speak that we may trust one another, that we may be trustworthy, Father, to follow after you and to lead others to you, Father, and that we might love even as your Son loves, that we would each be blessed because of our knowledge of thee and your Son and of your church, Father. Be with each one, Father. Watch over us that we might safely arrive at our homes and that our homes might be a sanctuary for you and for each other. We praise you, Father, and thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we ask. Amen.